gave the intro last week, so I don't want to give it all over again, but I'll simply say this for the sake of those that were not here last week. Um, the, the, the goal of this study is not to ride a hobby horse or to just give you my opinion or to say something like this, if you have social, then you're a bad Christian, or if you don't use social, then you're a bad Christian. It's not so much about that. What we examined last week was this, that it's not about whether you have it or don't. It's why would you have it? Why would you not have it? And then if you have it, what are you doing with it to give glory to God? All right. Uh, having said that, there are some things that, that you have to examine. You have to know what you're dealing with when you go into a virtual world. All right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about strongholds and about uh, places you can get trapped into online. Uh, having said that, and we're going to do that all tonight. I want to talk about how the Bible looks at a particular word. Uh, matter of fact, before you, uh, we read Genesis 1, I'll have you stand in just a moment. Uh, there are 1.81 trillion pictures taken a year. It's a lot. 20.2 are taken by one, uh, uh, a person per day in the U.S. Uh, I saw a real funny meme the other day. It said, you know, my, my parents have five pictures of me from the 90s. I've got 50 for my kids this morning from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. <laughs> All right, right? Uh, 6.9 billion per day are collected on WhatsApp. 1.3, these are images, pictures, 1.3 billion per day on Instagram with uh, so many being in posts and so many being in stories and chats, all right? 92.5% of photos are taken with smartphones. So here's what I, I can tell you without getting too far into this. Uh, there's a lot of images out there, a lot out there. And they're not all bad. However, what you have to understand is when something is image-centric, what does the Bible say about that? And so what we're going to do is dig into the Word of God. And look, if you're going to define what the, what, what the word marriage means, you go to the Bible. If you want to define what a family is, you go to the Bible. If you want to define how, how, what does prudence mean, what, what, what is diligence, what does salvation mean, what is heaven all about, where do you go? You go to the book. So when we talk about images, you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to dig a little bit in the Word of God. So let's all stand together as we read a couple of verses together. Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. And we'll stand for the reading of the Word of God, then you'll be seated, and we'll jump right into uh, the study. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our, what? After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar, you don't have to know Hebrew, you don't have to know Greek. When you read the words, let us make man in our image after our likeness, it shows you the, the synonymous nature of image and likeness. An image is something that carries the likeness of something else. All right? So, so let's keep reading. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own what? In the image of God created he him Male and female created he them. Look at Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter number 5. So can we agree on this? God made man in God's image. Okay? And we understand that from Genesis chapter 2, 
The Bible says that God took man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. There's the spirit. And then it says man became a living soul. So man was made in the image of God, a, a, a triune being just like God is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God, God made man in his image, male and female, created he them. But something happens. Look at Genesis 5 and verse number 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son... What are the next four words? After his own image. Now, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to find out what happens from Genesis 1 to Genesis 5. God makes man in his image perfectly. And then in Genesis 5, man has a son, and now that son is in the image of Adam, no longer so much being connected to the image of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Jose, it's good to have you here tonight, brother. If you'd open us up, sir. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for uh, what you pray for, that we can come through your word, preach your word, and hear your truth, uh, that we need your word to advance your word, uh, to help your own life. Father, I just uh, thank you for uh, Pastor, Lord, who uh, studies diligently your word to bring us the truth. Father, I pray that we can just uh, have an open heart, open mind, Lord, to receive it. Uh, and we receive it in truth, Lord, as, uh, as it is a uh, Amen. Be seated if you would. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the narrative, but we're going to go there anyways. Look at chapter 3 of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. So we see that when God makes man, originally man is in the, the perfect image of God, and then we see uh, that, that something that man does changes that. And in chapter 5, when he has a son, that son is now in the image and the likeness of his father. And by the way, this is Wednesday night Bible. So we're going to go to a lot of verses as we go through this, just so you know, this is not just me and what I think about this. Uh, look at Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis 3, and look, if you would, at uh, verse number 3. But of the tree, uh, uh, the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it. That was an addition to the word of God. Not, God never said that. Lest ye what? And then the devil responds with, in the next verse, ye shall not surely die. But we know that something happens. Something is different because after Adam sins, what does he do when God shows up? He runs for cover. He goes to hide himself. Right now, let me tell you something. Olivia has no idea. Look, I could stick her out there, you know, naked as a jaybird. It would not bother her at all. She would smile at you. She would laugh. She'd carry on a whole conversation. By the way, for those who are visiting, she's a four-month-old baby. <laughs> Just to clarify, she don't think we're a bunch of weirdos here. All right, so she's our baby, and so she would just look at you and laugh. You know why? She's innocent. But there comes a point where, you know, if a kid is changing, you open the door and they go, ah, you say, why is that? They're no longer innocent. They know there's something wrong with someone else seeing them in their nakedness. So when Adam sins, something dies inside of Adam. And, and we understand from the Bible, it was not the Bible. This is where it's so care. You've got to be so careful with the lies and the deception that's out in the world because it comes from the father of lies, John chapter 8, the devil himself. And when the devil comes, you know, he does not come in a pitchfork and a red pajama suit and horns. He comes giving you exactly what you want to hear. 
So he tells Eve, ye shall not surely die. You know what that is? It's a half truth. Physically, did Adam and Eve die? And so we can, we can cross out the body. What about the soul? Well, the, the death of the soul, according to Revelation 20 and Ezekiel 18, is something called the lake of fire. And that's not what happened. And they didn't go to hell instant, instantaneously. So what died? It was the spirit. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. What happened the moment that they sinned was the spirit within them died. Uh, and Paul talks a little bit about this. Uh, when uh, the, the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Now, when Paul wrote that, he was not a corpse. He's not a zombie. He's talking about, from a spiritual perspective, his spirit died. And the only way to have your spirit come back to life is to be what? Born again. That's why Jesus says, ye must be born. I, I, I've, I've been baptized. Wonderful. You'll go to hell wet. Unless you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. All right, well, I joined a church. Great, you'll be a great church member in hell unless you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, you say, well, that, I don't like that kind of speech. I, listen, you know what I think is terrible? For someone to walk in the doors of a church and a pastor tickles your ears and makes you feel good and you walk out lost without Jesus Christ on your way to hell. I'd rather you know the way to salvation is through knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior plus nothing, Amen. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2. At least you would know how to remedy the situation. Ephesians 2, look at verse number 1. And you hath he what? That means brought to life. That means raised up. Who were dead in trespasses in sins. Well, my, my spirit was the, the part of me that was dead. So when Adam died spiritually when he sinned, there was something that was lost. You say, what was it? The image of God. And, and so what you have is you've got, over there in Genesis 5, you've got now uh, people procreating and bearing children in their image, but there's something that's missing. You say, what's missing? Uh, I'll tell you what's missing. It's the life from God spiritually that Adam had before sin entered in the picture. You say, why does this have anything to do with social media whatsoever? I don't get it. I don't get what the big deal. Just bear with me. It's all going to make sense, Lord willing, at the end. Uh, Genesis chapter 31. Go there with me if you would. Genesis chapter 31. The word image is a very uh, particular word in the Bible. And it shows up quite a bit. As a child of God, you should desire to know what God's perspective is on anything. And what we're going to find out as we dig into Genesis 31 is that the word image oftentimes in the Bible is connected with false gods. Now, please don't walk out here and go, Pastor said, if I take a picture of someone, I've made a God out of it. I didn't say that. We don't believe that. We don't practice that way. I'm just trying to show you from a biblical perspective, all right, how inundated we are constantly. How many images go across your face and mind and eyes every single day and you're taking it in and taking it in, not always connecting where it's coming from or the spirit that's behind it, all right? Uh, you're going to find out in the Bible, the word images is often connected with false gods, with idolatry. Look at Exodus, I'm sorry, Genesis 31, Genesis chapter 31, and look if you would at verse number 17. If you don't know the story, I'll catch you up. Uh, Jacob is a guy uh, that's known for being kind of a cunning and a crafty guy. If you ever name your kid Jacob, watch out. Yeah. Uh, and, and so his name means liar, supplanter, deceiver. Uh, but, but we understand that, that ultimately uh, God uh, met with Jacob and his destiny changed after that. 
However, however, there's some things about Jacob that are real interesting. Like, for example, uh, he works for his wife for seven years. Remember the story? Uh, ladies actually go, oh, how romantic is that? He worked for me for seven years. Oh, oh. But, but you know the story. You know how it goes. Uh, Jacob had, had, had basically cheated out his brother uh, from a birthright by pretending to be someone that he wasn't. So when he goes on his honeymoon, so to speak, all right, on the wedding night, uh, he wakes up the next day, and guess what? It ain't the girl he's been working for. So you know what daddy says? The father-in-law says, well, if you really want Rachel, it's seven more years. So guess what the sucker does? Seven more years. And you go, aw, right? And, and so Jacob worked 14 years for this girl. And by the way, do you realize that when he's buried, he's buried by the one that he didn't really care for in the beginning with? That's an well, That's a whole other story right there. Gentlemen, let me tell you something. Don't marry two women. It's a bad idea. Amen. Okay? Amen. 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 All right? So, however, Jacob is constantly trying to, like, scheme people out of things. And so he's worked for his father-in-law for all these years. And one day he goes, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go do my own thing. I'm tired of listening to Laban and all his stupid rules. And I'm working my tail off. He makes all the profits. I'm out of here. And so Jacob picks up his family, and they take off. All right, that's where you pick it up. Look at verse number 17. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels, and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padanaram, that's when he's working for his father-in-law, for to go to Isaac, his father, in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the what? That were her father's. And Jacob stole away. Now, Jacob doesn't know this. <laughs> it's like having two separate bank accounts and she's doing some stuff he doesn't know about. Jacob has no idea that Rachel has taken her father's images. All right? These are carved images like idols, if you will. But, but pay attention to the word images and you're going to see something that's really important in a little bit. All right? And so, long story short, Laban catches up to Jacob and boy, he wants to tell him, one, he wants to rip him up one side and down the other. And Laban would like to, you know, pistol whip his son-in-law, but he can't. And the reason he can't is because God shows up to him and says, don't touch him, don't mess with him, leave him be. So Laban gets there all mad, all frustrated, and Jacob, mad. he's like, how dare you get frustrated? I've worked for 14 years, I did this, and they just go at it, right? And then all of a sudden, Laban's like, by the way, who took my idols? And Jacob's like, what are you talking about, man? I didn't take your images, what in the world are you talking about? Well, well, look at something, look if you would at verse number 32 verse number 32 with whomsoever thou findest thy you see how the bible uses that in one place it's called an image in one place it's called little g god all right question for those that are students of the new testament who is the little g god of this world all right so, so basically what you have is you've got a connection between something. Look, look, God makes man in his image. And what does man do? Man goes, I don't need you. I'll make my own. In my likeness. I'll imagine you the way I want to imagine you. Which is why people say dumb things like, Jesus would never say that. They've never read their Bible. I'll preach something and someone will go, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, well, I just quoted what Jesus said. He would never, I'm like, literally just quoted what he said. <laughs> so, so what you have is you've got this, this nature. Look down, if you would, uh, look at verse uh, 34. Now, Rachel had taken the what? 
It goes back to that usage of that word and put them in the camel's furniture and set upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said to her father, let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before thee for the custom of women is upon me. We've got mixed company, but I think you know what that means. And he searched, but found not the what? So it volleys back and forth between calling them images versus gods. Look at Exodus chapter 20. This is why when God uh, has, uh, allows his people to go into Egypt and they're there for 430 years and they're in bondage, you know what they do when they're in Egypt? Listen, do you realize our country has not been around 400 years? Look at how much our country's changed in the little bit of time we've been here. All right? And, and, and so imagine 400 years of time passing you would learn to mix a little bit with the culture in which you are immersed. Does that make sense? And so if the Egyptians worship Ra, the sun god, you might be familiar with what those images look like. And so when Mo- Moses is raised up to deliver the people out of Egypt, God tells him when he brings them into the wilderness and they're going around that mountain for so many years, God takes Moses up that mountain, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, and he has a conversation with him. And we know that as the Ten Commandments. Here are some of what is written. Look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And look, if you would, at verse number 4. For sake of time, I won't read all of it. But look at verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven what? Nor any what? You see that connection? Why would man want to make images of gods? I'll tell you why. Man wants to worship what he makes and what he can see. And so when man, listen, think of it this way. When man rejects God as a creator, he doesn't get rid of a creator. He just becomes one. And so now you got things like AI. Oh, and boy, we're just getting started with all that stuff. Uh, But but what I'm I'm trying to get you to understand is this. In the Bible, look at chapter 23, same book, Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23. Now, I'm not telling you taking a picture is evil in and of itself. Do not walk out of here and say something that is not being said from the pulpit. That's foolishness. However, I want you to understand, when God looks at what man, listen to me very carefully, what man does... And the capacity that we have for evil with images, God goes, watch out. Uh, Look at Exodus chapter 23. Look, if you would, at verse number 24. Exodus 23. Look, if you would, at verse 24. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their what? Now, I know what you're saying, Pastor Adrian, we are 21st century civilized Americans. We don't bow down to gods. A lot of people bow down to gods. Not, not even, I know some of you thinking religiously, like in a church. I don't even mean that. I mean like Harry Styles. I mean like, you know, uh, whoever's the latest and, and, and greatest new flame out of Hollywood. Uh, the, you know, Taylor Swift. And also, don't, if I kick your god, don't get mad at me. I'm just naming different gods, all right? But people have things that they worship in life because they can see those things. Question, when God shows up to Israel, does he show up in a human form on that mountain? Does he give them an image of his likeness? No. You say, why was that? Because he knew what they would have done. He knew they would have made a God out of something that wasn't a God. Now, you may go, Pastor, I kind of think that you're going maybe a little too far. Look at Numbers 35. Numbers 35. 
I didn't write the book, but I know this, the one that did is way smarter than you and me. Numbers 35. Look, if you would, at verse... Oh, let's see here. Uh, that's not it. I'm looking for a verse. Uh, talks about pictures. Numbers 35. If someone finds it before I do, I must have gotten the wrong reference. Um, but basically what God tells them, i got to find it because if I don't find it, then you guys are going to think I'm blowing smoke. Uh, numbers 33. I think that may be what I did is inverted some numbers. Numbers 33. Yeah, there you go. Numbers 33, look if you would, at verse number 50. And the Lord speaking to Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, This is where the children of Israel are about to go into the promised land. And before they do that, God gives them some instructions. Look at what he tells them in verse number 52. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their... Now, what do you think were contained in those pictures, good things or bad things? I'm going to guess bad. It doesn't mean every picture's bad. You know, you get a cute picture of your kid. God's not like, destroy that picture. That's not, that's not the point. The point is this. What is the capacity within the human heart for evil to do with images? Both to recreate God and to make a God in our own likeness. And secondly, to make images of things. How about this, guys? Here's a... When it, at the end of the message, I want to be able to provide you a solution for a lot of the image stuff that's going on today. Uh, but, but just think about this. Are there not stories in your Bible that you've read that if someone made a movie out of them, they'd be like rated R or worse? Right? Especially in the Old Testament. But have you noticed when you read your Bible, you don't come away with dirty thoughts? Why is that? There's something different about this. And there's also something different about reading something in text that's pure versus everything being in images. All right? Uh, look, if you would, at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Just trying to give you a little bit of foundation for how this word is used in your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse number 16. You ever thought about how many images you look at in a day online? I'm not even saying they're all bad. But here's a question. Have you ever done a study to look at how much the human mind can recall about something of import when it's in writing and you read it or have to write it down versus just seeing a picture of it? They're two different things. Uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and look if you would at verse number 16. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven what? The similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Look at verse number 23, same chapter. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven what? Or the likeness of anything, which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. It wasn't like God was up there going, I don't want you guys to have a good life. I don't want you to, I want you to be bored and just sit around and read all day. That was, there's so much in the world to enjoy. We go to summer camp sometimes. We tell the kids, hey, stay away from this and don't do this. We also have to know, hey, go outside, sweat. Turn the stinking video game off. Go outside, enjoy nature. Do something that you don't know how to do. Learn how to do something out with your hands. You say, why? Because it's good, clean fun. <laughs> 
The Bible says he's made all things richly for us to enjoy. You go, listen, I'm sorry, but there is no great life skill you gain from walking around the mall. Right. <laughs> or for the most part, I'm not saying all video games are evil, but for the most part, those of you that do enjoy them, I'm not saying it's all bad, but let's be honest about it. It's probably not a life skill you're using at work every day. Is that at least somewhat fair? Can we, I know I got three of you that are throwing, you know, three of you that are going to say amen. The rest of you are going, I don't know what's so wrong with you. I, <laughs> I, I, I know where we're at. We're in 2023. I get it. And, 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 but what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. We are so inundated via technology with virtual things, things that are not real. Why do you suppose, now I, I've, I debated whether I even mentioned this or not. There's a strong connection with the, le- the latest uh, shootings by mass shootings by trans people. I'm not picking on that community or anything like that, but there's a strong connection between that, the people involved in that and the, uh, and the fact that a lot of those people enjoy, what's it called, uh, anime. I'm not saying anime is bad, but let me ask you this. Why do they enjoy it? Virtual world. I want to escape reality. I want to, I'm not, don't start looking at people that like anime. I didn't say anime is evil. I'm saying that the reason why is because if someone is trying to escape reality and go into a virtual world and enjoy virtual reality and virtual relationships, it's not of substance. Do you understand? And and the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's substance to God. He does not want us living in the virtual. And what what I'm trying to get across to you is this. All right, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I don't know. I'm not looking at all your Facebook profiles. But why do you suppose that some folks that are my age or older will have a picture of themselves from high school on Facebook for their profile picture? <laughs> you're laughing because it's true. And you're laughing because some of you got catfish. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, she's pretty. And then you're like, whoa, what happened? Or vice versa. You know, he's got a picture of himself from high school. He's a football stud, you know, doing this. And then you meet him, and he's still like this, but it's because he's hunched over, you know. And he... <laughs> So, you, you can live, listen, that's the danger of being online. Listen, people generally, when they take selfies and get the right angle, I got to get the right angle and do this. And you know what that's all about? It's about presenting something that frankly is not real. And you've got to, listen, I'm okay if someone does it, but please don't look at yourself and go, look how good, you got a great angle and use three filters to do what you just did. Amen. <laughs> So, so humble yourself a little bit there. What, what I'm trying to get is, why would we even want that? I'll tell you why. Because when you look at these things, after a while, you want to be like them. The images capture your heart. Did Pastor Adrian say, get rid of Facebook, get offline? I didn't say that. I said, you got to be careful with it. And you have to understand what it is that you're dealing with. You know, over in Psalms, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalms... We praise God for the works of his hands. And in Micah chapter 5, the Bible says when the Lord comes back and establishes his kingdom, he's going to cut off the standing images out of thee. And thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. You know what happens if you're not careful? The things that you post online are the things you go, look at what I did. Look at how great I am. Now, no, no, don't. Some of you don't, some of you used to have social, you don't anymore. You're like, yeah, get them. That's right. <laughs> okay. If you don't have it, praise God. That's fine. That's great. Praise the Lord. But you can do that in any area of your life. 
You know what some parents do with their kids? Oh, you've not met my kid. Right. <laughs> like, well, kids generally do, yeah, but not mine. <laughs> Mine's like so advanced. Like he's like in, you know, 20th grade when they, he's really in second grade. But, I, I, and, and listen, like we love your kid. They're smart. But, but you're, you're probably like over-exaggerating a little bit. Why? Because you worship what is yours. If you would learn to say that's God, you kind of go, man, I'm real thankful for my child. Not look at how great my child is. Yeah, I love it when some parents are like, listen to my child singing, and then they sing it like, listen to that. <laughs> By the way, as a pastor, you learn how to do these things the right way. Someone brings you, you years ago, someone was talking, an old preacher was talking about, you know, someone, you know, new mom, new parents, they, they, your, your kid could be like an ugly cabbage patch looking doll face, you know, and, but, but they bring him to church, and they're all excited, and, and you know, look, the little kid looks like a little alien, you know, and they're like, isn't he or she precious? And you're like, that's some baby. <laughs> you know, but the, the idea is this. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, the virtual world is something that we begin to praise because we made it. We constructed it. Question, is the building of buildings evil? Not a trick question. Like, don't be like, oh, uh, No. <laughs> It's not wrong to build a building. All right, question. When they built the Tower of Babel, was God happy with that or not? You know why? Because they said, we don't need God anymore. Look at what we can do. Now, you may be a Bible-believing Christian if you're saved tonight, and you may not take that approach when you go out into the world, but I need you to understand, a lot of the world is without God. That is what the online world has become. It is a world constructed by men to infiltrate ideology and put out there that which what the spirit of the age is trying to put out on other people. And, and so you have to be, again, doesn't mean you can't use it, but, but you better not be abusing it. You know, God had a problem with Israel in 1 Samuel. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, uh, all the moms are going, I see the spidey sense. Moms are going, is that my baby? It, it's, it's not my baby because my baby's the best. <laughs> it probably is my kid. It's always the preacher's kid. But over in 1 Samuel chapter 4, you know what Israel said? The ark of the Lord is here. It, listen to me, it shall save us. You know what the problem was? They began to worship something that they had made that was supposed to be used for God's glory. And it's this physical box. And God would literally come down and dwell with them in between the cherubims that were on that box. And so they started to say, it's no longer about the God of the ark, but it's the ark. The ark is God. You say, what was it? It was something physical that took their heart. And you know what happens in 1 Samuel 4? They get whipped by their enemies because you know what they thought? Oh, the ark's here. That's all we need. No, you need the God of the ark. And, and, and so what I'm trying to get at is this. Oftentimes when we get sucked into a world, it's all about image what ends up happening is we begin to worship the work of our own hands when jesus christ shows up think of it this way man had lost the image of god man lost it you see what happened between genesis 1 and genesis 5 genesis 3 happened (laughs) and man sinned and man lost what God gave him. Isn't that kind of how it always works? God gives us something that's perfect. I mean, imagine, gentlemen, you never fight with your spouse. Imagine, ladies, he's never going to ignore you. He's always going to be kind. <laughs> You're laughing about that right now. Like, that's never going to... 
Well, well, if you had experienced Adam before the fall, you would have experienced a man that's just, oh, every word she says, what is that? <laughs> wow, you've never used that word before. It's a, it's a new word. Well, it's dummy, you've only met her for a day. Of course it's a new <laughs> word, you know, but he's so enamored with her, like whatever she says, he's right there. I mean, imagine a perfect environment, a perfect relationship. Everything's perfect. And then you decide, I want what I want, and the image of God that gave you that perfect life is now gone. And your spirit is dead. Well, you know what God does? He looks at man. He, gives man he, he works with man in different covenants in different times. He works with Moses and gives him the law. He works with Abraham and speaks about faith concerning the nation that he would raise up. Uh, he, he, does all, he works with David and talks about the kingdom that would come. And eventually Jesus Christ shows up. You know what Jesus does? He restores that lost image. He's called the last Adam. So you know what the first Adam did? He fell in a temptation, a threefold temptation. You know what Jesus Christ does? He resists a threefold temptation. And the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Look at Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter one. If you want the real image of God, you know where you find it? You don't find it, definitely don't find it, you know, by asking Google. <laughs> you find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter number one. Look if you would at verse number three. Talking about Jesus Christ, the son that's referenced in verse two, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. You know who that is? Jesus Christ. The image of what person? Look at the first word in that chapter, God. Jesus Christ restored the image of God to mankind. So the moment you got saved, you know what God did? He put a little piece of himself through Christ in you. The Bible calls that Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have the restored image of God. You may not always act like it, amen. You may not always think like it, talk like it, live like it, but he's in there, And for that reason, you are to, as the Bible says, not work for your salvation, but work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, the only part of Jesus and God that this world may ever see is through you. God put that image inside of you. And every single day, he started a work in you that he's not going to be done with until the rapture. Being confident of this very thing that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. This is going line upon line, precept upon precept, and, and going from one verse to another, comparing spiritual things with spiritual to learn what the Bible says about this subject. Man takes God and defiles God through images that do not represent who he is. And all kinds of false gods are made through images, through the work of our own hands. And so God says, forget about that. What you need is you need to be restored to my image, and you can't do that on your own. You need me for that. You got a marriage that's busted up, you need to apply biblical principles through the Spirit of God, through knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you want any hope to fix that. You got problems financially, same thing. You got problems when it comes to your thought life, same thing. You got problems with gossip, with jealousy, with depression. It doesn't matter what it is. It all goes back to the image of God being restored in your life. And so when you get saved, what God does, he puts Christ in you and he goes, you know what? I'm going to conform. Every day, I'm going to make you more and more into the image 
of my son. You know the, the reference in Jeremiah about the potter and the clay. We are the clay. We are to allow him to move us as he sees fit. Uh, look at Romans 8. And look if you would at verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate not to be saved or lost. This is already someone who is saved. Once you're saved, you are predestined in regards to how you're going to end up in eternity. You don't decide that part. You decide whether you choose Christ or not. But once you choose him, he decides your fate in eternity. And that's heaven bound. Thank God. But, but look what he says here about this, particularly in verse 29. To be conformed to the what? Image of his son. That's how you're going to end up. In the perfect image of Jesus Christ. You're not there yet. I'm not there yet. But he's still working on me. Remember that song? <laughs> to make me what I ought to be, right? And so every day the Lord's, that's why sometimes you have trials that come in your life. You go, Lord, why? Why me? And the Lord's like, well, I had a cup in the garden I didn't want to drink from, but that turned out pretty good for you, didn't it? You have things, you got wayward children. You got health issues. You have problems in your marriage. You know why some of that stuff, God allows, some, not saying he wants it all, but he allows it. You know why? To draw you closer to him. To make you more like him. To build you more in his image. Here's the problem though. If God's trying to make you in his image. What do you think the devil's trying to do in your life? And what do you think one of the things is that he uses to get your mind in the wrong direction? You think maybe looking at other images maybe. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. You know, I doubt, I doubt anyone's ever walked up to Jameis and said, oh, you must be Pastor Dominguez's son. <laughs> Not picking on him, but I, I'm just guessing that's never happened to him. All right? You, you say, why? Boy, don't look anything like me at all. And he shouldn't, because that's his daddy. You look at his dad and go, well, someone cloned him, right? Basically, <laughs> you look at me and go, the DNA from dad is in him. When you get saved, his DNA is in you. They ought to be able to see that in you. The problem is when God's trying to make you in his image, and you go, yeah, but I like this image more. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, this is how you end up. Verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we should be like him in his likeness. That's where that comes from. We should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I can't wait for that day. But do you know what the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2? Romans 8, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 12, be not conformed to this world. You know what it's all based off of? Image. You know where you find the image of Jesus Christ? You don't find him in a statue or in a tortilla or something like that. <laughs> you know? I saw La Virgen Maria in the tortilla. No, you didn't. You saw something else. <laughs> All right. Do you, do you know where you find the image of Jesus Christ? You find him in here. Listen to me very carefully. Not in pictures. In words. If you want to be made in the image of Jesus Christ, you have to rely on words, not images. Are you getting that? Brother, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, Cindy, can you turn the lights off for me? Thank you very kindly of you. All right. I, I want you guys to see this. Some of you have probably already seen it before, and that's fine. But I want you to understand, it, 
when someone looks at images all the time, especially young people, they start to form in their mind. Their spirit is affected by the images that they're looking at. And you go, I'm old. I'm not like this little girl on the, on the, on the, on the commercial, whatever. I'm an adult. I've got my own mind on everything. Don't be so convinced of that. You're going to tell me, gentlemen, if you start looking at images you shouldn't look at, we got mixed company, I'll be very careful, but you know what I'm talking about? That's not going to affect you. That won't affect how you look at your wife, how you have your marriage, how you respond to females in general. You're going to tell me that's not going to affect you at all? You are lying to yourself if you believe that. When you look at things, it has an effect on... The Bible says in Lamentations, mine eye affecteth mine heart. Watch this if you would. And I will read you a book. You are so beautiful to me. Good job, Mary. You are so beautiful to me can't you see you're everything I hope for everything I need you are so Now, if you think the moral of the story is, you know, I shouldn't exercise, you got the wrong message. God knows some of us need to spend some more time on the treadmill. But the problem is, if you're doing it for the purpose of looking a certain way, if you're doing, I'm not picking on them, but you guys are growing up with this 
your whole life. And if you don't want guys to look at you as a piece of meat, don't throw yourself out there like one. And gentlemen, don't look. <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem is this. Whatever it is that you are looking at will become what consumes your thoughts. Whatever it is, good or bad. I debated whether I'd read this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I feel like it's what the right thing to do would be. 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit internet pornography websites. 10% of U.S. Ad uh, adults admit to having an addiction. 17% of all women struggle with this as well. You know what's worse than that? 64% of Christian men struggle with it. Guys, I'm telling you right now, it is a cesspool. And the problem is you can innocently go online, not really be looking for anything and Something that kind of catches your eye, and then you start going, well, what about that? And, well, I don't know. What about this? And before you know it, you're going down a rabbit hole, you have no business going down. Well, that's not the only problem there. We understand there are a lot of other issues, but I do want to say that's a huge problem. To act like it's not there would be foolish on our part. If that statistic is right, you know what that means about people that are going to churches? I mean, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches— you say, what is it? You're growing up in a society where you can crawl into a virtual world and you feel that nobody knows. But can I remind you, number one, God knows and it's affecting you. And, and, and young people, if you got three or four different accounts that you're using to talk to different people because you don't want your parents to find out, mom and dad may never know, but God knows. Don't you want to look in the mirror and go, I like what's looking back at me because I'm not living a double life. I'm not going down a different hole. I'm... You, you want that. That's called a clean conscience before God. And it's of great price. Images have power to shape our minds on things. I'll never forget, years ago, there's a picture. Of, you may be, some of you may remember this. This is way before your time. In the 70s, there was a, a, a situation at Kent University in Ohio. Anybody know what I'm talking about? where the police came out and beat up people, and I think some people got shot or whatever. And there's always this one image that was shown by the media about how brutal the police were. And, and if there was an excessive use of force and it was not right, they'd be wrong and they should be called out on it. But I, I would also subscribe that maybe they didn't show you the 10 pictures before. What I'm getting at is you, images have a way to shape your mind on things to give you an outcome on something that may or may not actually be true. And whatever you're looking at affects your heart. And it shapes how you view God and how you view the Bible. Can I, can I say it like this? You can't, I know I've been saying it a lot. I'm going to keep saying it. Young people, you can't learn the Bible by TikTok. You can't. 30-second clips don't do it. Good night. Three hours at church doesn't do it. What makes you think a 30-second clip's going to do it? You know how you learn who God is? Through words not pictures. Images have power to shape our minds on things. They have power to create strongholds. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Is this, is this making any sense? From where we started and kind of where we're trying to get to here at the end. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and 
And, and parents, can I encourage you? <laughs> I'm going to say something that I may or may not be well accepted. I understand where I'm at in today's society. But either have a very, very... Uh, uh, have a better relationship with your child than your phone does. Because you can put a lot of rules into place, but the rules don't fix the issue. They're craving relationship. And if they don't get it from you or on the dinner table, and they don't get it from you in the morning, and they don't get it from you when they're struggling, they will get it from a virtual community of friends. Second Corinthians chapter 10, look if you would at verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Kind of makes it sound like imaginations are not a good thing in that context. Is that fair? Kind of makes it sound like imaginations have to do with spiritual warfare, because they do. Well, let's think about this. What's the root word? You see, images become what we think. And when you dwell on certain images long enough, they fill your imagination. And I'm not just talking about sexually perverted things. I mean, how you view society, how you view issues concerning what is right and what is wrong morally, how you view anything. When you dwell within certain sites online, certain pages, certain whatever, and you're looking at certain images, they carry with them a spirit. And when you're looking at certain things and they're preaching something that's not exactly lining up with the Word of God, that's where you have to go, maybe I should de- I kind of disconnect from this a little bit. Maybe I need to take a step back. You know, for some of you, it might be, you know what? I need to take a week off of this. Maybe I just need to unplug forever. I don't know. Uh, maybe, m- listen, maybe you're not in that boat. Maybe you simply have to go, you know what? Maybe I just don't need to spend as much time. There's just some things that are changing the way that I think that maybe aren't necessarily lining up with God's word, and I don't want that in my life. You say, why? Because this becomes this. I'm going to wrap up with this thought. The Bible says that uh, over in Revelation, so so God makes man in his image, so what does the devil want to do? He wants to imitate that. So the devil goes, I can make an image. So in Revelation chapter 13, you know what the Bible says? The whole world is going to worship the image of the beast. What vehicle do you suppose might be used to get the whole world, billions of people united around one person? Yeah. So it doesn't mean you can't use it, but understand this. There's a battle going on spiritually for your mind. For the image of God versus the image of Satan. And you better recognize it. And if you're prudent as a child of God, you know what you'll learn to say? You know what? Maybe less time. Maybe disconnect from certain people. Maybe disconnect from the platform. Maybe just take a break. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not telling you to go out and get rid of your phones. I'm simply saying use wisdom. And if the Lord is telling you to, hey, there are some steps you need to take so that your mind's in the right place and you're taking on my image more than the image of this world, as a child of God, you would be wise to listen to that look at second thessalonians chapter two second thessalonians chapter two and we'll wrap it up so the bible speaks in revelation 13 14 17 about the image of the beast 
the image of the Antichrist that the whole world is going to worship. And the Bible says that he has the, 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 uh, Antichrist, the uh, uh, false prophet has power to give life unto the beast. I'm not going to tell you that I understand everything in that. Uh, maybe some of it has to do with AI. I don't know. But I know this much. There'll be online platforms that people are connected to whereby they will see this image that the whole world is supposed to worship. By the way, this already happened once. Over there in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar builds a physical image with his hands, tells everybody to bow down and worship when the music comes on. And you know the story there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they get thrown in the fire and all that good stuff. You know what that's a picture of? It's a picture of something that's yet to come. Where in the tribulation, if you don't work... Now, we're not there. Thank God we're not there. Amen? But, but what, I'm, what I'm getting at is this. You need to understand the, the importance, the, the emphasis that God puts on that word image in your Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. What does God do to destroy the image of the Antichrist? Look, if you would, 2 Thessalonians 2. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his what? You know, how he, you know how he blows him out? You know how he destroys him? With the words of God. It is written, it is written, it is written. You want to overcome images, the wrong ones in your life. Maybe you're not looking at marriage the right way. Maybe it's because of the counsel you're getting from things online. I don't know. Maybe you're not looking at your children the right way. Maybe you're not looking at the Word of God. Maybe you're not looking at church the right way. Look, if you go to, if you land yourself on, you know, uh, some Instagram account where some jack wagon who's disgruntled with church just gets on and does selfie videos about why they left the church, you're probably not going to want to be at church anymore. Does this make sense? So, so you have to learn to say, okay, Lord, l- let, me, let me put some safeguards in my life. If it grieves and if it quenches the Spirit of God in my life, then I'm moving on from that image. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Thanks for coming out tonight. Let me say this. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your issues are way, way, way more substantial than just what you look at online or where you go or what you're connected to. If you've never been born again, Jesus says you must be born again. If you're not saved, listen, trust me when I say this. It's not the sin, solely the sin that you've committed that's the problem. It's you've never received the remedy for the sin, and the remedy is Jesus Christ. So if you're here tonight, you don't know what it means to be saved. Before you leave, can I encourage you to grab someone that can open up the Word of God and show you what it means to be a born-again child of God? I hope you got something out of the study. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, and uh, we'll wrap it up. And we'll, Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We'll be going through the Gospel of John, and we'll have our uh, Sunday morning service at 11. Brother James, if you dismiss us in word of prayer, sir.